We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Thunder fans, and welcome to the Uncontested Post-Game Podcast Edition. I am your host for tonight, Taylor Peterson. You can find me on Twitter and all social media at Taylor underscore P underscore P15. And most importantly, you can find us at the underscore uncontested on all social media platforms. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, x.com, you name it, we're there. And like I mentioned, we're really working on our YouTube content, so be sure to, to uh, subscribe there, follow along, because we're, we're posting a lot of stuff right there, uh, a lot of stuff there right now. So we'd greatly appreciate that as well. If you don't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave us a five-star rating. would be greatly appreciated. We are a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. All that aside, the Thunder lose a very close game, 28 to 120 against the Sacramento Kings. A lot to break down this one. It, it was a frustrating game in a lot of ways. I understand why a lot of Thunder fans are frustrated. Uh, at the same time, it was a very winnable game. Um, I think I tweeted out from the podcast account that it was a tough game, but that's very vague because I think when you think of a tough game, like it, it could be a tough loss if the Thunder didn't play well and... Um, and get like blown out. That wasn't necessarily necessarily the case for this one. Like I mentioned, the Thunder uh, lose very narrowly, one twenty eight to one twenty three in Sacramento. Something about the Thunder playing in Sacramento against the Kings, uh, they have not performed very well, particularly uh, when it comes to shooting. So, and we'll obviously get into that. <laughs> My guys, uh, shout out to all of you guys and and gals. And the the live stream, uh, my guy Smoot is already giving me a hard time. Taylor hosting means it's a two hour pod. That's exactly right. Buckle in. It's midnight here, Central Time. We're gonna go till two a.m. 
until the wheels fall off. A lot to break down here. I, I promise it won't actually be a two-hour podcast, but there is certainly a lot to break down. I'm not even going to do a game by game or a a a game a quarter by quarter breakdown because it's not really worth it. But just some overall uh, stats here, I think, before we get into some of my big themes of the game. And and once again, thank you all for tuning in already. Uh, a lot of good comments in the chat. Keep them coming. Give me some questions. I really appreciate it. And I'll be sure to to go through them and, and address them all as we get through the podcast here. Uh, so so keep those questions coming. But like I mentioned, obviously, 128 to 123, Kingsby OKC. SGA with 43 points. He just cannot seem to get over that 44-point uh, career high. It's really crazy. He's tied it so many times, it feels like, over the past two seasons. Cannot quite get over that hump. But 43 points, uh, six. Uh, uh, sorry, let me go back to the box score here. Uh, yeah, six rebounds, nine assists, 13 of 27 from the floor, which is just absolutely absurd. We're going to get into that some in 16 of 18 from the free throw line. Josh Giddy, uh, just a phenomenal game from him. We'll get into that as well. Uh, why is this not updating here? He had 18 points, eight rebounds, four assists, plus three steals. Again, just a phenomenal Giddy game. I can't wait to break that down as well. And then Dort with 17 points, four rebounds, Chet 14 and 10, which just seems so crazy to me because Chet had a very quiet game. Uh, I'm going to break that down as well. It, it, but it's kind of crazy to me when I look at that box score and see that he had 14 and 10 because it certainly not feel that way. The big thing here is that OKC cut a 14-point fourth quarter deficit to two and had multiple opportunities to get the lead there. Uh, there was three opportunities, particularly that down the stretch where they had wide open three-point attempts. Uh, Chet had two wide open three-point attempts, and then Isaiah Joe had another one. They just could not get them to fall, and it was just it was really frustrating. Um, but regardless, <laughs> here we are. And uh, like I said, there's a lot of big themes here to break down the game, regardless of, of some of those big box scores that I, that I just mentioned that the Thunder were unable to pull this one off. And it's a really good Sacramento Kings team. And I think that's kind of maybe one of the biggest things I want to just kind of touch on here before we actually dive into some of these themes is that I understand a lot of the frustration. I had a lot of frustration, <laughs> a lot of those uh, frustrating tweets that I fired off from the account. But like I said, it was a tough loss. That doesn't mean it was a bad loss. And I think that's where maybe some Thunder fans are getting a little... Um, they're, they're letting their emotions get the best of them here. I thought the Thunder played. They put themselves in, in, in a position to win the basketball game. And unfortunately, uh, as we'll get into with some of these themes, like, for example, the shooting uh, on both sides of the floor, the Kings were just absolutely lights out. The Thunder were not able to knock down shots when it mattered the most. And ultimately, that's kind of what led to this, this outcome. So... Uh, like I mentioned, that fourth quarter, which is kind of crazy, uh, the Thunder were down by 14 at one point and just kind of felt like it was over. And yet, once again, we, we've talked about this over the past couple of seasons. The Thunder are like the Goonies. They never say die. And uh, they, they continue to be able to respond to adversity. And I think that's something really positive to take from this game as well. So we're, we'll get into some of these uh, bigger themes here. But if I can find them. Um, sorry, I'm going okay. So, 
<laughs> apologies, a little flustered because I had some technical difficulties. Uh, my MacBook does not like me at all right now. And so it actually logged me out of our, our streaming uh, our streaming site that we use here on the Uncontested. And so not only was it a late game here uh, for us, Thunder fans watching uh, in the central time zone and even the, you know, those of you overseas and the Eastern time zone. Uh, but then I had technical difficulties trying to log in and get this thing fired up, but we're here nonetheless. Let's just go ahead and dive into some of these big things. Like I mentioned, I think the biggest theme of them all was Josh Giddy. This was his best game of the season, in my opinion, 18 points, eight rebounds, four assists, three steals, and a team high plus 11 plus minus was plus 11, which and we always talk about the disclaimer there, but I think that's uh, extremely telling of his impact on the floor, on, bo uh, on both ends of the floor for this Thunder team. Eight of 14 from the field and two of three from three. Two of those were significant. I, I thought he start started out really strong there in the first quarter. Again, on both ends of the floor. Uh, he made some bad decisions there in the second quarter. It was not his best. We, we kind of saw him, I, I don't know, I, I want to say the boo, I, I, again, Something else to mention with Josh Giddy, he was booed yet again in an opposing arena against the Sacra uh, when he was in Sacramento. And first quarter it didn't really phase him. I thought he came out uh, firing. I mean, he was extremely aggressive, making the right reads, but also was getting to the rim. And 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 I don't know. I, I think that was really significant, and, and a a it kind of showed his growth um, here over the past couple of games after he's really struggled. However, that second quarter, we saw him like get stuck down low, make a, a ridiculous turnover. He was trying to like kick out to, I can't even remember who it was in the corner, but just it kind of regressed back to the giddy that we've seen over, over the past, I, I almost said past couple of games, or really the past five to 10 games. Um, and I was a little concerned there. But the third quarter happens. He has a 10 point third quarter, four of six from the Four, two of three from three, which just was significant. Josh Giddy was a huge reason that the Thunder were able to weather the extremely hot shooting from the Sacramento Kings. And then he had some huge shots in the fourth, like I mentioned, including a finish in transition there when it really mattered. And another big time three. That was his second three point shot of the game. Um, just really, really big time moments there for Giddy in the fourth quarter when it mattered the most. But most importantly, something that we've really have wanted to see from getting not just spacing the floor and obviously he didn't do a ton of that necessarily tonight uh but he continued to he really competed defensively tonight and i think that's that's incredibly important like i mentioned that first quarter particularly he has some big time plays but also in the fourth quarter and and, and that's the reason i think that we saw dignal stick with him and close the game with him which the friend that's the first time we've seen giddy close the game and i i didn't pull this up <laughs> Like I mentioned, uh, has some technical difficulties. It's already a late post-game podcast, but man, I can't even remember the last time Josh Giddy closed a game, and he absolutely deserved it tonight, and and he did. Uh, Dignall rode with him. Uh, he, he closed the game, and rightfully so. Like I mentioned, he had an incredibly huge impact on this game. Um, cannot say enough about Josh Giddy. I thought he had a great game, and I just really hope this momentum carries in, you know, it, into the, the coming games, obviously, uh, but he's able to ride that momentum and kind of overcome some of this adversity, uh, not just off the floor, obviously, but just at, even on the floor. We, we've talked so much about that. We saw Gay Stroll early on last season, and he was able to snap out of that. And so hopefully a game like tonight is kind of a kickstart for Josh Giddy because 
as we've mentioned so much, I've mentioned this on this podcast. I know it's really frustrating seeing Josh struggle and, and seeing the starting lineup and the lack of spacing with Shea. We'll get into that here tonight as well. But when Josh is playing at this level, that unlocks so many different things for this team. For example, the Kings were playing a very interesting and a really honestly a, a great game plan by Mike Brown where they were playing like almost a um, – they were playing a zone defense there for the majority of the game. They were bringing defenders, uh, point of attack defenders up on mainly Shea, but all ball handlers were trapping uh, up top. That creates opportunities for a player like Josh Gay to be able to flash to the high post and be able to create for teammates. And we saw a lot of that. Uh, rather, Josh was attacking the rim and, you know, that resulting in him being able to get opportunities uh in regards to scoring, but also just being able to create for others. Unfortunately, his teammates were not able to knock down the shots, which I will continue to get into here tonight, that he was able to create for them. But when you have a player like Josh who's able to create like that, and you're able to flash him up to the high post, that's how you how you beat zone defenses, especially uh, like the one that the Thunder faced tonight against the Sacramento Kings where they were trapping up high almost every single possession, especially when Shea uh, had the ball. But that leads me to my next big point. Shea dominated despite having zero floor spacing tonight. Shea was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, let's see. 43 points, 6 rebounds, 9 assists, 13-27 from the floor. But the, the biggest thing here is he was 16-18 of 18 from the free throw line. We talked about... You know, early on, the, the struggles that Shea was having getting to the line, he wasn't necessarily getting a lot of those calls, but tonight he absolutely was. We've kind of, and, and even over the past couple of games, I think we've kind of seen this uh, regression to the mean if you take the you know last couple of seasons into consideration. Shea's getting to the free throw line again. He's getting those calls, and I think the biggest thing is he's not leaving it up to interpretation. They aren't questionable calls. I mean, he is driving to the rim, and he is making sure that those refs are going to be calling those foul calls. And for him to be able to knock down 16 of 18 from the free throw line was just significant for this team. It's significant for this game. Like the, the Thunder being able to shoot like they did from the free throw line, even when they were struggling so poorly, uh, scoring from outside is really what kept them in this game all along. But just not enough to be said about Shea in his offensive game tonight when he has zero floor spacing. That doesn't necessarily mean that the Thunder don't have floor spacing on this team, but tonight there was zero contribution from outside. And the fact that Shea was one point away from his career high, again, six rebounds, nine assists, creating for others. And I think there was a lot of talk, you know, again, on next.com, which you uh, probably should never look into too much and, and give too much uh, credence there. But when... Yeah, I, I thought Shea made the right reads there down the stretch when he was being double teamed rather than just rel relentlessly attacking, uh, attacking the rim and trying to get those foul calls and just being um, – I, I don't know. I, th I thought he made the right reads a lot of time there in, in the fourth quarter, and I understand the frustrations that he wasn't being as aggressive as he was earlier in the game, but he was looking for teammates. He made the right read every time. Unfortunately, his teammates weren't really able to knock down those sh shots, which, again – uh, well, before we get there, again, another really good defensive game, I think, overall from Shea. He didn't necessarily play, like, his best game in regards to, like, one-on-one -on -one defense, his can't talk perimeter defense uh, that we've seen so much from him throughout the majority of the season thus far. But he had an additional two steals, which seems kind of crazy. 
I, I, it feels like he has a lot more than that, but that's because of the, the deflections that he had. And um, ultimately, I thought he had another really solid defensive game. In fact, they had another two steals. I think he's averaging, it's like, I, I, again, I don't have this pulled up. Uh, he's averaging two plus steals per game. Like, that's just absolutely absurd for a player to have 43 points, one point away from his career high, uh, to just be doing a little bit of all of it, willing his team to ultimately what he hoped was a victory and to be able to do, to perform on both sides of the basketball floor. I mean, it's just, it's, it's phenomenal. We even saw Mark Dignall sub him in there in the fourth quarter, I think with like, gosh, I think it was nine minutes left. Um, Shay, let's see, 38 minutes for Shay, the next highest player uh, in terms of minutes was Lou Dort with 32 minutes. Like, Shea played the majority of the game, and for him to have that impact on the floor cannot be, I mean, overstated enough, I really don't think. Shea's just been phenomenal and really tried to to lead his team to victory. Unfortunately, like I mentioned, his teammates weren't able to uh, to help him out much outside of, of Josh Giddy. That kind of leads me to my next point here, the three-point shooting discrepancy. The Thunder missed open shots, and they... Played pretty poor defense overall uh, for a team that really prides themselves on the defensive end of the floor. They weren't getting stops. They were leaving shooters wide open. And there's so much that goes into that. But just reading off the stats here, <clears throat> the Thunder were 11 of 36 from three compared to 18 of 45 from the Kings. The, the Kings shot 40% from the, the floor from three, which honestly isn't like a significant mark there. But they shot nine more three-point attempts than the Thunder. And the Thunder only shot 30% from three. That's just not going to get it done. And honestly, that's kind of like the staple of the game here. I think the, the thing that, that stands out the most to me, you look at some of the players uh, on the Thunder, zero of two uh, from three for Chet, three of five from Lou. He has some pretty big threes down the stretch there in the fourth quarter. But ultimately, he didn't really space the floor. Uh, Shea was only one of five. Dub was 0 of four. Giddy was two of three. I mentioned some of those big shots that he had. Then you look at guys like that you expect to, to shoot well from outside. One of five from Isaiah Joe. Um, let's see. I mean, I, I don't even really want to get into Bertons because those minutes were just ridiculous. Uh, it The bench as a whole, let's see, shot eight. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Sorry, this is bad math here, but 17 three-point attempts as a whole for the Thunder bench, like just... It was bad all around. The Thunder shot very, very poorly. And then, like I mentioned, on the opposite end of the the floor, they let guys like Malik Monk just go absolutely crazy. I think we have to add him on the all-team, all-NBA Thunder killer list. Uh, He went 18 points, 7 of 15 from the floor, but the biggest thing there was 4 of 8 from 3. That was just killer for the Thunder. And then De'Aaron Fox, who's been, uh, again, like it's been De'Aaron Fox. It's been Shea. It's been Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, you can throw in obviously Booker and uh, Doncic there, like in, in regards to guards who have been just dominating the league this season. But Foxos for forty-one points, fourteen and twenty-five from the floor, and five eleven from three. Like that, those guys were just absolutely torching OKC from outside. And the perimeter per, can talk. The perimeter defense was just really poor for the Thunder. And some of that was due to lamps, which we'll get into. But as a whole, I thought the Thunder really performed poorly defensively. It led to a lot of wide-open threes for the Kings. Uh, Ironically enough, down the stretch, they still were not defending very well from three, and the Kings started to miss some points. And that's when we saw that Thunder or miss some points, miss some three-point shots. And that's when we kind of saw this Thunder team go on a bit of a run. Uh, they were able to get back to what they do best, which is getting stops and then be able to push the floor and uh, you know push, push the ball in transition and get those transition opportunities. But ultimately, when the Kings are shooting like that, there's not much you can do. I think about that, uh, what was it, Darren Fox? I think it was the, I can't remember if it was the second quarter in the, yeah, it, it was the end of halftime when he came down and just drilled a contested three-point shot over Lou Dort. Like, even when the Thunder were defending well, the Kings were just, I mean, they couldn't be stopped from outside. Uh, they had guys like, I'm going blank now. Uh, oh, man, you guys know how bad I am with names. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and, and butcher this one as well. But uh, Vinskov? <laughs> Alex Vinskov has some big time three point shots there in the third quarter in the second half. And ultimately like that discrepancy right there, like I mentioned, it's, it's hard to compete. It's hard to win a basketball game when you have, um, when when you're not hitting those outside shots and your opponent is, and like I mentioned, uh, there were some incredible opportunities there. Mark Dignall, I thought has two great challenges. Uh, he won both of them tonight. They're in the fourth quarter. I can't remember who it was that Chet blocked, um, but they called a foul on J-Dub. Uh, I think it was Darren Fox who was driving to the rim. J-Dub um, played really good defense, but they called a foul on J-Dub. 
Chet goes up, gets the block. Uh, Again, I can't even remember who the player was now at this point. Really bad podcasting. Mark calls the challenge. He is awarded the challenge. The Thunder get the ball again uh, out of that that successful challenge. And then you have three consecutive missed open three-point opportunities. Two of those were from Chet. Chet had a really poor game, and we'll get into that as well. Uh, the other one was from Isaiah Joe, uh, the the marksman that we talked so much about early on this season. I tweeted this out from the account, but you live and die by the three-point shot. And that was the case tonight. Uh, this Thunder team is obviously at their best when they have players like that space in the floor for guys like J-Dub and Shea. And even Josh Giddey, when he's playing like the way he is tonight and, and attacking the rim and being aggressive and when you don't have that floor spacing, it makes things so tough. And we saw that with the Sacramento Kings playing that that trap zone uh, defense that they were playing. That was just like, again, I, I know I spent a lot of time on that theme, but that was probably the biggest one in the game. And that kind of leads me, I mentioned Dub and Chet's struggles, but that's another big theme that I have here. They both really struggled. And obviously the Thunder had Josh Giddy step up alongside Shea, which was significant. Uh, and like I said, like looking at Chet's stat line is kind of, I don't know, almost, I don't want to say shocking, but it surprised me when I saw that he had a double, double 14, 11 and six to 12 from the floor, but he struggled again. He missed those two big, uh, three point shots from outside. I thought he struggled early on, uh, trying to be aggressive. They were letting him drive and get to the rim. But when the Kings are packing the paint like that, he wasn't getting foul calls. And then defensively, he really struggled as well. Uh, we saw Mark go to J will. Uh, early in the first the first half uh, in both quarters as well as in the second half as well because Chet was really struggling with Sabonis. Uh, even though Sabonis didn't like necessarily dominate the game, uh, they, they wanted a, a physical big in there to be able to compete with guys like Sabonis, and even like Harrison Barnes uh, crashing the boards. And Sorry, I'm looking at the stat line here. Yeah, Sabonis has 16 rebounds. <laughs> and I, I don't know, like I mentioned, I understand chat. If you look at his deadline, it looks fine, but I thought it was another kind of poor performance from Chet. We didn't see that impact that we've seen here. Even when he's not necessarily performing well offensively, he's had some really big uh, stretches there, especially down in, uh, in clutch time here are the past couple of games tonight. That was not the case. I thought Chet didn't really perform well. And then like I mentioned, J dub probably his worst game of the season. Uh, he had five points, two of 14 shooting, Oh, four from three, uh, only one on one from three throw from, from the free throw line because he got fouled on it. And and one dub really struggled. I thought he forced a lot, he wasn't looking for teammates, like he wasn't really creating, looking for teammates. Um, and some of that maybe is due to Josh Giddy and him having a better game and kind of controlling the game more. We've talked a lot about Josh Giddy trying to find his fit in this this roster or in this lineup when you have Chet and you know J Dub taking a leap and obviously Shea doing what Shea does. Giddy's really kind of struggled with his fit on the court, regardless of the off the court stuff that we, you know, obviously don't really need to get into. It kind of seemed like with Giddy taking a bigger role tonight, Dub really struggled. Um, but like I mentioned, a lot of that was some of the things we've seen from Josh Giddy, uh, honestly, early on in the season with some of those four shots uh and just not really playing to his game. And when you don't have Dub and when you don't have Chet being able to space the floor in that starting lineup, not to mention Lou Dort, not to mention Giddy. Um, and like I mentioned, the guys off the bench not being able to space the floor like we have kind of become accustomed to, spoiled with, with Isaiah Joe and others. 
Like it's going to be very tough to win a basketball game. And so nothing to be too concerned about long-term, but I just think it's, it's worth mentioning that Dub and, and Chet did not have their best games tonight. And that really kind of hindered the thunder and, and their opportunity to be able to win this basketball game, even when Shea is performing at the level that he is. And that kind of leads me um, to some overall rotation thoughts. Uh, I think, you know, like, especially in the first half, I loved that unit that, Dignault rolled out there in the second quarter. It was Wiggins. It was Kaysen. It was Dub. I think Chet was in there. Um, gosh, I'm going like nine, probably Jay will. Um, and, and oh no, sorry. It was Kendrick Williams. And I thought they performed really well. The, the offense struggled, but the defense uh, and just, uh, they were getting steals, opportunities. And again, like that kind of leads me to Wiggins. I thought he played really well there in that six minutes he got there in the second quarter. But then in the second half, Mark Daynault goes completely away from Wiggins as a whole, which is really interesting because he was creating when Dub wasn't. Uh, he was scoring when Dub wasn't. He was kind of playing that role, that scoring role, that uh, creating for others when Dub was struggling tonight uh, when you have Shea on the bench. And so that's why I found it so interesting, kind of rotations, uh, rotation thoughts as a whole. I understand Mark going with a player like Davis Bertans there in the, the second half. But Bertons was just getting absolutely cooked defensively. He was pr providing nothing offensively. Uh, he was just being smothered offensively. And I can't remember who was guarding him. But, I mean, no opportunities for him offensively. And then and, and on the defensive side of the ball, he's getting attacked in the pick and roll every single possession. And In fact, there was like two possessions there where he was like stumbling into teammates. At one point, he stumbled into Lou Dort, which led to a wide-open three-point opportunity that was made. Uh, probably by none other than Malik Monk. I can't remember exactly who the player was, but regardless, I I, I thought I, I understand Mark going with Bertans there to try and space the floor when Thunder had no floor spacing at all off the bench. Uh, but I thought he maybe rode Bertans a little too much there. Um, and, and I think it was in the fourth quarter. And the fact that that kind of leads me back to the Wiggins point. Wiggins performed so well there in the second quarter in those six minutes he played doesn't see the floor in the second half. And I understand there's a lot of different players to get minutes. Uh, Oos had some, some flashes. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a whole there, uh, hit some knockdown, uh, catch and shoot threes, which is significant. But again, he's still got some minutes in the second half that I would really like to see go to Wiggins. And even Isaiah Joe, when he's struggling like he is tonight, why not give more of those minutes to Aaron Wiggins? And those are just some some overall thoughts I, I thought could contribute uh, or it could have contributed to the Thunder potentially winning this basketball game, especially when you have a guy like Shake playing so many minutes when he's off the floor. Give Wiggins some of those opportunities. It, it, it is kind of interesting. I understand it's early in the season. Mark's going to continue to kind of tinker with lineups. Totally understand that. You need other guys engaged. Uh, if you can get Bertans going from outside and if he's good enough defensively, I mean, I, I understand that's huge, not just for tonight's game, but for the season as a whole. But ultimately, get Wiggins some more time. So those are just kind of my overall thoughts. Uh, some of the big themes from this game. Like I mentioned, I thought the Kings had a really good, and this is kind of an aside, but I thought the Kings, after that first quarter, really adjusted to Shea and, and the Thunder as a whole. They they realized, uh, Mike Brown realized that the Thunder weren't hitting outside shots, and so they kind of resorted to that, that zone trap defense where they were bringing up defenders at the point of attack high, and they were trapping ball handlers and then they kind of resulted on those back three defenders uh, with that size that the thunder didn't really have to match uh, to be able to hold the line and, and pack the paint and you know just kind of let the the thunder shooters shoot and, and and they weren't making shots and ultimately i mean that's I, I thought that was a a pretty significant adjustment there from brown and, and and the kings as a whole and really gave the thunder struggles and like i mentioned this is kind of a, a theme i think of this I guess we're a fourth away through the season. But when this Thunder team isn't hitting those outside shots, they aren't spacing the floor. Like we've seen them struggle just like tonight. Ultimately though, and, and again, you can look at the plus minus, you can look at the on and off court stats. Obviously uh, these lineups, when you have spacers like Isaiah Joe in there for Josh Giddy or uh, Lou Dort, or you have Isaiah Joe and Casey Wallace instead of Lou Dort and Josh Giddy, like, that that lineup of Dub, Shea, and Chet plus shooters is just phenomenal. When those guys aren't making those shots, it's it's very difficult. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the theme of this game, right? But the the fact that they were still able to make this, like I mentioned, uh, it was a two-point game there until they started missing some of those three-point shots after that challenge and then uh, let the Kings really drive to the rim at will. Uh with De'Aaron Fox particularly, and I think it was Sabonis who had to put back a little bit of a Sabonis revenge game against the Thunder, <laughs> which seems to be another thing with the Thunder. Uh, former Thunder players really like to perform well when they play against the Thunder. Ultimately, the defense was just non-existent there down the stretch, and that really hurt them. But it, the fact that they were still able to weather that storm without the floor spacing, they only lose by five to a really great team in the Sacramento Kings. The Kings are now 14-9. and nine. Thunder of 15 and eight. Like this is a really good Sacramento Kings team. This isn't a loss. I think that the Thunder fans should be losing sleep over. 
uh, they had every opportunity to be able to be a really good Sacramento Kings team uh, away, right? Uh, obviously, uh, they, they weren't playing at all. Like, there's just, I, I don't think it's worth overreacting to. So those are just kind of my overall thoughts. Uh, I apologize for rambling. Like I mentioned, uh, kind of had some technical difficulties here <laughs> at the beginning of the, the podcast. And so um, a little flustered, I think, to begin this one. But still a fun one to break down. Nothing to be losing sleep over. This is another really great learning experience for not only the Thunder, but like I mentioned, even Dignot with some of these lineups. Like These are things I think we will see correct themselves. I'm really excited for Saturday's game. They will be going to Denver to play the defending champs against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, it'll be really fascinating. I, the Nuggets are now fully healthy again, or I, sh- I shouldn't say fully healthy. I'm not necessarily sure about their uh, their bench, but the main piece there is Jamal Murray. He'll be back there Saturday, and it'll be fascinating to see how the Thunder respond to tonight's game, and not only tonight's game, but obviously that first home game that the Thunder had against the Denver Nuggets where they just got absolutely blown out. I think this team will respond well, and so I'm really curious and excited to kind of follow along with that one. Uh, like I mentioned, really appreciate all of you guys and gals in the chat. So I'm going to go ahead and go through some of these comments, some of these questions, and we'll go ahead and get out of here. Let's see. Shout out. Uh, I need, <laughs> I'm not even going to pronounce that, uh, pronounce that name on the podcast, but first time catching the live action. Really appreciate you being able to, uh, tune in and, 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 yeah, like I mentioned, these late night games uh, give us opportunity to be able to interact with some of our other listeners who otherwise like overseas on other time zones who otherwise wouldn't be able to tune in. So that's that's really good stuff. Um, he mentioned all as well that thoughts on Josh Giddy showing a little flashbacks of his original self. I think I touched on that. Josh was phenomenal. Best game of the season. I think it's is pretty pretty obvious. Uh, Smoot officially. <laughs> officially initiates uh i need again i thought it said i need coach it's a uh, another term (laughs) but smooth and officially initiates him into the degenerates let's see jdev has these games way too often that's from gargaballs uh another fun name there he was horrific he was he was bad but i'm not necessarily sure that we should say that he's having these games way too often i uh, again does had a really great stretch of games here he has struggled a bit in comparison to last season trying to kind of find his his just to this new role of him kind of taking on a bigger role and leading that second unit uh, particularly and, and then just playing alongside a superstar in shea but I'm not necessarily sure that we should say he's been having these games way too often. Um, I think this is a really great learning experience for J-Dub. And I would not be shocked to see him respond really well against the Denver Nuggets. Another really great test for him. They have long, lengthy defenders. It's going to be tough, but I really hope we see J-Dub respond because he's that type of player, uh, obviously from a skill standpoint as well as a basketball IQ standpoint. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Dub have a good bounce-back game. Let's see, Smoot, uh, with another great comment here. He said, our toughest opponent, zone defense. And that is the truth. Zone defense has given this team a lot of troubles. And we've been seeing uh, that through the past couple of seasons. But really, this season, as the Thunder have continued to perform well, teams 
resort to that zone t- defense and really make these under shooters uh, prove themselves and hit those those outside shots to be able to win the game. Let's see what else. Axel said Taylor will be the first to throw Gid under the bus, regardless of his performance. I've been, yeah, I've been very harsh on Josh Giddy, obviously, uh, even prior to the off court stuff, which uh, again, that was kind of my point as a whole with Josh and some of his struggles. I, I thought he was kind of playing the same way, even prior to some of these allegations coming out on, on X.com. Um, but Josh was phenomenal tonight. I mean, he's the reason he's him and Shay were the reasons that Thunder were even able to stay competitive in this one. Uh, I cannot say enough about Josh Giddy's game tonight. And I really hope this is a, a big pivotal point. Oh. There we go. I lost my mic there for a second. More technical difficulties. Awesome. What a night. <laughs> uh, but I really hope this is kind of a turning point for Josh in his season, similar to last season, although it happened a little earlier. Um, I mean, like I mentioned, this team is at their best. Their their ceiling is at their highest when Josh Giddy's playing at this level and the other guys are able to, you know, fit accordingly. Uh, and then the last one here is from Kaleem. Do you think we have a chance of winning against Denver? I do. I really do. I understand that obviously they're a great team, but they've been having their struggles as well. I'm not going to pull up those stats and go even longer here on this post-game podcast, uh, but I think the Thunder really do have a great opportunity to bounce back against against a Denver team. Jokic obviously will have his, uh, especially when Thunder have struggled with bigs. For example, Sabonis, even though he didn't necessarily have a huge scoring night tonight, I mentioned those rebounds. Like That's something to keep an eye on. But I think the biggest thing against the Denver team is not letting them control the half-court offense, uh, the half-court possessions. And if the Thunder can get those stills, those stops, they can play much better in regards to perimeter defense and, and get the the Denver shooters to be able to miss those outside short shots like Michael Porter Jr. and Murray, make those shots difficult for them. Let Jokic eat. It doesn't really matter. Push the floor in transition, get those transition opportunities. I think Thunder absolutely have a shot there in the uh, against the Denver Nuggets. And let's see. Jokic will have to meet the real MVP. That is right. Shea Gilles is Alexander. Even again, even in a loss tonight, continues to perform at an extremely high level, top three in the league, MVP type level. And that's something to be celebrated. And hopefully we continue to see a, some of his teammates step up, like I mentioned on Saturday. So thank you all again for tuning in to the Uncontested Postgame Podcast. I apologize a bit there. Like I mentioned, some technical difficulties early on. Obviously, never fun to break down a loss, but I think there's a lot of positive things to take away from tonight. Not worth overreacting. And I hope I was able to kind of uh, communicate that throughout the podcast. Don't overreact. Great opportunity for this Thunder team to bounce back on Saturday. We will have you all covered for that Saturday game, and then we will be back with our group podcast on Sunday night. Uh, and it, it really uh, something I've been thinking a lot about is, you know, like the, the, what was it? Monday night, we play the jazz. We had two nights in between before we play the Kings. We have one night in between before we play the nuggets, but this will get really tough in January. I really, uh, a lot of games that we'll be breaking down. Uh, it's going to be really fun as Thunder fans to be able to have those games uh, so close together and not another two game or sorry, two night gap. It's going to be going to be fun for us, but tough for this team, a really great test kind of moving forward. And so it'll be fun to see how this team responds and really kind of see where this team is a really great barometer as a whole, but regardless, the uncontested we will have you all covered for all of it 
and uh, we cannot wait. So be sure to tune in. Like I mentioned, subscribe to our YouTube, all of our social media platforms, and uh, tune in. We'll be back Saturday night after the Thunder uh, face the Nuggets in Denver. And until then, Thunder up. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.